0: Lifeway. Lifeway. LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Todd Adkins, and today uh, I have a co-host again, a guest co-host, back by popular demand. Uh, this is Janae. Janae what do you do again? You're Hi a publicist. You're, uh, you're, you <laughs> help people. Books.
1: I promote books. Promote books I all that's not. Okay. get on podcasts like this. And then yes. here I am on a podcast. On a podcast. You. So, but
0: you're you're genuinely interested in people.
1: Yes. Which I
0: love, makes you a good co-host. Well,
1: thank you. I love getting to talk with authors, talk with our guests on 5LQ and specifically in my job as publicist at Lifeway when their books come out. I help authors get on the media and be able to talk about the messages that God has laid on their hearts through books. Good deal. Here we are.
0: Uh, Introduce our guest today.
1: I'm really excited about our guest. Her name is Esther Daniel, and she is the Global Director of Talent Acquisition at International Justice Mission. Esther, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: It's great. It's wonderful to join both of you. And thanks for having me on the show.
1: Great. Could you tell us a little bit more about your work with IJM? I know you held several positions there. Um, We would love to hear more about what your work on the field looks like and what you do now.
2: Sure, sure. Um, So I've been with with International Justice Mission since 2006. And um, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's wonderful the way in which God led me to IJM, but it's a bit of a story, really, I was in the corporate world, I'm an engineer by background, Uh, and in 2006, IGM wanted to start an office in the southern part of the country in Bangalore, Um, and so there were several things that happened in that season, but mainly um, a story that I like to tell is we were in prayer, my husband and I, as to, is this what God wants me to do? And we were in a small beach town running from there, our flights got delayed in the airport, and uh, my husband, he, if he's uh, at a place, he'll forget. Uh, if he's got a book, he forgets that he has got a wife. So I was just wandering the airport and walked in bookstore. And this is a time when praying, Lord, is is this what you want me to do? And I find this huge Bible, and I and I try to reach out to the Bible, and a book next to it falls on my face, and then the book was called *Things About Injustice*, written by Gary Haugen. Um, so it's a very pointed way in which God brought me to IJM, and I've been um, leading this work uh, in in uh, in South Asia, rescuing slaves. Uh, and the beauty about IJM really is we do this work in partnership with the local governments, um, and so starting in two thousand six, where you know, slavery wasn't even seen as a problem. It wasn't seen as a crime to, um, like, a year ago when I left in left the country to come here to the U.S., uh, I've seen, really, the moral arc uh, bent toward justice. Um, so I think from the time you find information about uh, a crime that's happening, a case of slavery, uh, my team would go find more details, document uh, the information, and then, of course, you go through the whole series of ensuring that the case is as watertight as it can be, take it to the government and police, and then work alongside them to rescue the slaves. But that's just the beginning of uh, of, of the whole process. Uh, and then you walk alongside these survivors till their point of restoration. Mm-hmm. And IGM has this fantastic uh, aftercare program where our social workers walk alongside uh, these survivors. And I can talk more about it as we are... Uh, speaking to the podcast. Uh, we also then work with the court systems. We support the public prosecutors to hold perpetrators accountable um, for the crimes that they have done. And we did this case where there's a huge emphasis for us to go directly intervene in cases in the beginning part of our work. And then we said, if we want to see sustainable change, we really need to see that the public justice system is transformed. And so then we started working with uh, the local governments and the police, building their resources um, and training them. You know, in in the place that I work, about mm. more than twenty thousand officers have been trained on what is the law. How do you implement the law? How do you take a trauma informed approach uh, to ensure that survivors are uh, healthy after having come out from these situations?
0: So that's really it, that's really interesting that you guys came alongside. You know, the government. Um, In order to do that, because so effectively you guys ended up training, providing uh, better training for the officers. Is that correct?
2: That's right. That's right. I mean, there's always the the dearth of resources. Uh, Corruption can be an issue, but it's mostly the lack of resources. And so we found that generally officers are willing to work with us. But when you provide them with adequate training and resources uh, in terms of knowledge uh, and walk alongside them, they're more than willing to to engage in this
0: fight against slavery. That's really cool. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so you've mentioned you're obviously very passionate about the field and uh, have a lot of experience there. And now mm-hmm. you've come back to the U.S. and back to the, the, the I guess, corporate headquarters of IJM. Mm-hmm. Um, what has that transition been like? And, you know, to go from... Um, working in the issue to working on the issue at a higher level in the organization. Right. Um, and I know you lead training um, now for your organization. Mm. Well, how has that shifted and mm. how has that been mm. difficult for you?
2: you know, um, I've learned to live my life with an open, open hands. Like my husband and I, wherever God takes us, whatever he wants us to do for his kingdom. And alone long short, uh, my husband had done his undergrad in the U.S., and he wanted to do his master's in music education. And so anyway, long story short, he came here and then IJM brought me here to work in the corporate uh, office. Um, and the transition, I think, what when I reflect um, over these 11, 12 years that I led my teams in the field, uh, today, every one of them is a leader in the office uh, that I've, uh, that I've uh, left and come here. Um, and so though I didn't though It wasn't very intentional, okay. Let's sit down, let's fellowship plan for the next five years, ten years. Um, when I look back, I, f- I just find that this is what actually God has been doing through my life is to build leaders and to build people to take on leadership responsibility. Um, and so it was quite interesting when I came here, and, and the responsibility was to uh, build a strong internship and a fellowship program. Today, IGM sends about 100 interns and into all our field offices, 19 field offices, um, and we have about 75 of them come and work in D.C. It's quite a large program, and our interns really are part of the answer, the part of the finding the answers to end slavery, to end violence against the poor, um, and I just find that God has transitioned me um, Though it wasn't like something I had planned and down, "Okay, ten years I'll do this. Next year, this is what I'll do." But God has been weaving this whole idea of building uh, those who can take on leadership responsibilities for the work of His kingdom, um, and I feel that's what I'm doing now. Um, and one of the responsibilities I do have is to is to look at all our offices around the world and what are the what are the best ways to support our people. They are the core and the center and the most important centerpiece of our work. How do we make sure they are are, healthy, they're thriving, they're doing well? Um, So I just feel like God's taken me on this journey. Hmm.
1: I would love to hear a little bit more about this professional mentorship program and the leadership program you have through iJam and what you have learned as you say you're, you're transitioning more and see God moving you to pour into the next generation of leaders. What have you learned as a leader um, through working in, working with, and mentoring, and pouring into this next generation of IJM leaders
2: that you send out and train, mm-hmm. uh, you know the the work of IJM is is dark and hard, um, and I feel like um, often you can you can feel like you're carrying the weight of forty million today who are in slavery, or four billion people who are outside the protection of the law, mm-hmm. um, and I think I. Um, I feel like I have to constantly center myself on, on, this, uh, on this thing that we're doing as an organization, as a leader team. Is This is God's weight and this is our work, yes? But we do it Jesus' way. Um, and so as, as I've led teams over the years, like for example, you find today that a certain family is in slavery in a brick home. And your team has found out that information. Your social workers have actually encountered, they have met this person in an open marketplace. And you need to bring intervention immediately. Um, but you know, it's, it's five in the evening. You need to go home. Your team needs to go home. They need to get rest. They have to take care of their family and they have to come back the next day. So, as a leader, my responsibility is to say, Great, we've got this information and we need to immediately. But for today, we need to let this rest with God. Um, I remember a case that I did very early on. So my first case, um, and we had tried to bring people out of a brick kiln. Um, and again, this is a long story, but we couldn't find one of the boys. He was missing after the rescue operation. It was late in the night and, um, we had done all we could to find this boy. And this is where, ve- this is very, very early on in my, in my own journey with justice, mm. um, and at 11 in the night, I called my boss and I said, I just, I just don't know what to do. I've done everything I can do. And he said to me, as the God loves this boy more than you can ever love him. And it's important for you to stop tonight and rest and we'll pick this up tomorrow. And so as a leader, I have learned this work is so hard and hard and dark and heavy that it is important as a leader for me to make sure that my team remains healthy and joyful and to be able to balance the darkness with finding the joy with supporting one another by having rhythms of rest and centering ourselves in god um i felt like that's those are some of the things that uh, i've had to constantly you know find different ways in which to do it but i think that would be the core of of my leadership um as i as i built teams around that's the world good. yes that's so wise mm-hmm. so and you know it, it doesn't come naturally it's a it's not something you <laughs> will gravitate towards naturally it is It's like coming up for air. You have to find the joy. What is it that's going to give joy to us as a team? Um, Finding the rhythms. We have a day morning. We are paid to be still half hour every day across the organization all over the world. And we are paid for half an hour to sit together as a corporate team and pray and bring these hard things before God. We take time every quarter to go out as a retreat. These are rhythms built inside uh, our our organization. Uh, And as a leader, I think they were very important for me as I had my team.
0: So, what's the main point of emphasis for you and your new role right now? Um, is it you know training those leaders? Is it scaling the training of the leaders or trying to maintain a consistency across the organization? you know globally what 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 is it that you're working on right now? Yeah,
2: so uh, we've we've been to a massive uh, organizational restructure this year. Uh, and so we've gone from like 11 layers to about six layers. And so right now we're in this building phase. And the reason why we're doing this is we're putting ourselves to the 2030 vision, which is to rescue millions, protect half a billion, and make justice for the poor, unstoppable. Uh, but to do that, to answer your question, we really have to build strong systems across the organization. Um, and I think my role really is to is to find uh, the right people and to make sure that they are onboarded well. And then I hand over uh, to a leadership and a development team here. Um, across the globe, what we what we do want to see is uh, a kind of a minimum standard. So this is how we will care for our people. This is how we will find top talent. This is how we will ensure an intern experience is the work of justice. And so it's a combination of both. Um, and I work closely with the leadership in the field, that is our regional presidents and the field office directors um, on what is it that we need to build our team and make them sustainable. That's good. Esther,
1: what are a few things that you absolutely must do daily and what benefit do they have for your life and leadership? I know you mentioned rest and prayer are part of your um, corporate routines, but what are a few things that personally you do
0: other than spiritual disciplines?
1: <laughs> Thank you,
2: Todd. For that other call. than oh, spiritual yeah. disciplines,
0: what are what are a couple <laughs> things?
2: Great, great. Um, yes. So scripture and word. I have to like. I have to be grounded on it. So I won't. I won't dwell on that. Um, but I think I, I. I would say about three or four uh, different things that I really need. One is time alone, um, and that could be just listening to worship music, or just being silent, or reflecting on what the day was, um, and it's just mindless. I, I'm very good at daydreaming, so I can just look out the window, and 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 my mind can go all over the place. But I do feel like that's essential. That's the way of uh, that's the way in which I find life, uh, and I think in that in that space of silence, I I, I Sometimes hear God speak and sometimes I don't, but I just think that quietness is so needed for my soul. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is time with my family. Um, my husband is a is a jazz pianist and he's a student at the University of Maryland. Yeah, it's a very different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I, I'm an engineer, a lawyer. He's an artist, a jazz pianist. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so I just find that it's so necessary to at least make time once a day, one meal, sit down together um, and just banter and talk about our day and just go back and forth. And and I think that's normal for any family, but I feel like if that was not there in my day, I would feel like I missed something. And so that's another uh, critical part of my day. I've learned, um, I think I'm still learning, it's the need to nourish my body. I think we look at food uh, in a way that, oh my, I I must eat this less. what, What diet do I do? What do I not eat? And I'm just like, no, I need to start taking care of my entire physical body. Um, I can tell you, you know, working in the field for 11 years was like being a doctor on call. Yes, there were healthy breaks and, you know, I took time off and all of that. But I've learned now that if I really want to be in this for the long haul, I have to rest. I have to eat healthy. Food. I have to make healthy choices. Uh, and I have to sleep. I think sleep is something that's, um, I don't know. I feel like it's not given the due credit it should be given. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, but I six, you know, I I, can go long yeah, I mean I think six or eight hours and on a Saturday morning I like to sleep in for an hour, uh. But you know taking care of myself that way. I think, um, one thing that really gives me life is uh, opening up home, uh, and we just started doing that, my husband and I, to international students here, uh, and just you know meeting over a meal and having conversation. Um. So these are the few things that I uh, I do. Of course, I love to. Read. I love to listen to music a lot, um, and especially worship music. Um, yeah.
0: So I, I think you led into our uh, fourth question really well, which is, "What does leadership in your home look like?" You mentioned you're an engineer, your husband's an artist. Mm. Um,
2: yeah. But
0: you know what? What uh, has uh, leadership looked like in your home?
2: Sure. You know, I, I grew up in a, so I'm a pastor's kid. My dad used to work for the company full time and he was a pastor. Um, but I really love how they both modeled what a good home should look like, my dad and mom. Um, so that's one 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 thing that I've seen. I've seen my dad was always collaborative in decision-making for a family. Like, okay, guys, let's sit down, let's discuss about this. Let's talk about this. And often find him standing in the kitchen and talking to my mom and deciding what needs to be done. Um but I'm also quite self-aware. Maybe the self-awareness came a little later on in my own career. But uh, I'm I'm quite a strong woman, uh, you know. I, and it's not easy for any man to be my husband. <laughs> um, but my husband's really, um, he's I have to give him credit. He's a godly man, very patient, uh, very gracious. Um, and so early on in my marriage, I had to say, like, I know there's a biblical model where the husband is the head of the home. Uh, and here I am, I have a strong opinion about everything. So what do I do about this? Um, and I feel like two books have really helped me uh, very early on my marriage, which is Power of a Praying Wife by Stormy Martian and Let Me Be a Woman by Elizabeth Elliot. Um, and I have found that leadership for me at home really is me and my husband really having a conversation, discussing things, having our opinions, speaking about it openly. Uh, but at the end of the day, I have found a lot of rest and peace in submitting to his leadership. Um, it didn't come easy in the first few years of our marriage. Uh, I found that when I do submit to his leadership and I do submit to the fact that he's, he's the head that God has placed in this family, that mm-hmm. um, that there's really a blessing in it. Um, and on the other hand, I think, uh, you know, I had a friend of mine who very close friend, she would often come home and she said, Esther, it's amazing when you work in the office, you're one person. The moment you walk through your door, it's like a switch goes off and you're a completely different person. Uh, how do you do that? And I said, well, I don't do it. I just find that my identity in Christ, I'm secure in it. And I know that when I submit to the leadership of my husband that uh, there's a blessing in it. But if you ask my husband, if he's on podcast, I don't think he will fully agree. <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> not <is> wife. <laughs> He's a he's a good man, I've been blessed though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so leadership looks like that. It's more like sometimes it's an argument but one thing we've we've had at home, and I'm really grateful for that is um and I hope it stays this way, is that for we've never gone to bed without saying sorry. Um and um, we we are quick to forgive and we're quick to love one another. But he gets most of the credit, not me. That's important. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> so our last question is, what would you tell mm. your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? And I'm particularly interested in your answer on this here because I know you're working mm. with a lot of younger leaders. So what, do you, what are things that you're advising them with and what do you wish that you could go back and tell your 20-year-old yeah. self about um, leadership?
2: I think, I think really number one, rest in God's sovereignty. Uh, and have an eternal perspective um and i'll and, and, and you know what i mean by that really is everything is not going to be fixed overnight um and to be able to to know without a doubt that god is working things out it may not seem like today not tomorrow may not be for the next few months or years uh, but i think number one i would say to myself when i was 20 you know, if things don't get fixed overnight, it's okay. Just rest in that. Rest in that God is sovereign uh, and He's in control. Um, and I think second, having an eternal perspective, you know, we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. We stand on the leadership of so many, many godly men and women. I grew up every Sunday we were required to to read about the life of a missionary. So many people: William Carey, Amy Carmichael, Jim Elliott, you know, George Mueller. All these people and, and Christians and leaders all over the world, uh, and God's in the business of building his kingdom. It's not going to be fixed probably in our generation, maybe not in the generations to come. But I think it's so important to have that uh, perspective that one God's going to right it wrong, uh, and he's going to make everything all right. But in the meantime, he's still using us to build his kingdom here on earth. Um, the second, I think, really is to rest in your identity, in who you are in Christ. Um, that you're an heir and a joint heir with, with him, um, that you are the beloved of the Father. Um, that's a second thing I would say. And um, third, really love your team, uh, love your people, love your the people that God has brought into your life. Sometimes may be, you may do something wrong, be quick to apologize, be quick to uh, seek for forgiveness. There may be sometimes you encounter misunderstanding and whatever you do, that's not going to be resolved. And you let it just... Uh, lie as you do as much as you can and then trust god to make it right uh, one day um and i think fourth really this has come to me more in the in the last four or five years is a, is the a need to pace yourself um we are all in this journey of justice or the work of the kingdom for the long haul uh, there is a tyranny of the urgent right you need to fix everything today in the here and the now and you need to uh, do it very well um but I think what really God is interested in is in us, in our spiritual formation, in who we are as His people. Um, and to be able to, um, yeah, I just, I just feel like uh, to be able to give that to yourself, to myself, as well as to those I lead. I've learned over these last, you know, 15, 18 years of leading people, everyone has a story. Everyone is on a journey. Everyone is going through a season that's probably hard or easy and you can't lead uniformly. You lead each person according to what they need. Um, and to be able to pace yourself even in your expectations of the of your team members. Um, and I think really just be humble. Um, you know, uh, be open to learn from everyone. Um, it's amazing. I, I actually learn a lot through observe people uh, by asking questions. Uh, by conversation. I learned a lot through that. Um, and I think just being open to to absorbing and learning and, um, and being vulnerable, I think, um, and transparent. Yeah.
1: That's good. Esther, before we wrap up, I would love for you to give um, some practical advice for those listening. I know we're so thankful for the work of IJM and just the global impact that they have made um, mm-hmm. in the effort to fight human trafficking but i know sometimes when we hear these stats and we hear about what's going on in other countries it's like oh my goodness where do we even start how do we wrap our minds around this issue Mm -hmm. um and i would love to you for you to speak to our listeners about give us some practical things that we can do to join ijm in the mission the work that you guys are doing Mm -hmm. um what are some ways that we can join you guys in this in this fight
2: yeah absolutely um the number one word that comes to my mind is hope and i say that because i've 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 seen the rescue personally, myself, more than 2,500 people. Um, and just what's amazing is the human spirit and the resilience that our survivors have. How, how they perceive you through very hard journey of freedom. And I have seen so many survivors, not just, I've seen them as victims in the day of the rescue, but I've seen so many of them become leaders in their community. Take the story of Kumar, He was rescued when he was seven years old. Today, Kumar is pursuing his master's in social work in one of the top uh, universities in the country. Or take the story of Ashok, who was about to sell his kidney so he could rescue his wife from slavery. Today, he's a leader in this community and a business owner and built his own house. And I feel like just yes, the so slavery is dark and it is pervasive and we talk of 40 million people who are suffering. Well, we need to remember as, as, as God's uh, instruments that there is hope. Um, And and what can you do uh, to be part of this journey? You could definitely, and there are a number of things that you can do, and I would encourage you to consider paying. Uh, You could sign up to be a Freedom Partner IJM. Uh, You could come and give off your time and talent and your resources to IJM. Uh, I cannot tell you how important the internship program is to the organization. These interns are not just, you know, they don't make photocopies, they don't serve coffee. No, they are part of the work. Um, some of the, today we have a very senior leader <laughs> who was once an intern in an office uh, in the country that I serve. And, and he will tell you what he wrote as um, a legal research was actually used in a case where the perpetrator was, uh, was convicted. It was the first time such a conviction was issued by the Supreme Court of that country. Um, but that happened like many years afterward, and so you never know how God uses your time and your talent. And so, really, the invitation is open. We'd love to have uh, you to come serve with us. Mm-hmm. And then I would I would be amiss if I didn't say that we are looking for strong leaders. We are looking for experts. For example, the online exploitation. We need experts who can help us find the source of the crime on the internet. Um, so we, 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 this, we also need finance experts. We need people who understand technology. Um, and so the need is great. And, and we're looking for, uh, for, for those who will come alongside on this, uh, on this journey to, to really end uh, against the poor.
0: Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today, and uh, for just sharing your your life and stories of ministry with us. You know, one of the things that um, I think most of our listeners already realize, but I'll reemphasize: IJM. Um, uh, we work with them for uh, on Freedom Sunday, where churches get access to all kinds of training, all kinds of content that is totally That's free. Um, to be able to host Freedom Sunday, that's one of the ongoing things that we are doing. A partnership with them, of course, that's on grid, um, so you can, you know, customize that, assign it to your church, do whatever you would you would like to do with that. And um, just once again, thanks so much, uh, Esther, for spending time with us. Yes, thank
2: you. You're very welcome. Such a privilege. Uh, God bless you. And the work you do, on your podcast. It's uh, it's great. Yeah, thank you for what you do.
0: And thank you guys for listening. Please uh, hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Thanks for listening.